here in this passage of Scripture that we'll study today in Luke chapter 12, we encounter another of God's strongly given instructions about fear. One that especially cautions us about who our hearts are to fear. And then also it tells us why we should have that fear. And I'm so thankful for the song that we just got through singing Amazing Grace about how God taught our heart to fear. And then that fear he relieved within us. And so here we're going to talk more about this matter of fear, especially again about who our hearts should fear and why our hearts should have that fear. For those of us who have Christ as our Savior and Lord, this subject of fear can sometimes be one of the more perplexing elements of our relationship with the Lord. In our relationship with Christ, we cling to such words as those that are given in 1 John 4. Those words comfort us and they assure us that we are not to fear. He tells us there, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. But then he also gives us those words of Proverbs chapter 9 that tell us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and that the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, thankfully, while these words of Scripture that I just read seem to be telling two different things about this matter of fear, we know that these Scriptures never contradict themselves. It's simply as Proverbs 9 here implies, these words are simply being given from two very different contexts of understanding. Yes, with this perfect love that the Lord Jesus has for us and the love that is put within our hearts by the Holy Spirit to love Him back, we truly can rest in full confidence that we who have Christ as our Savior are eternally saved. We are eternally saved and eternally protected from losing our blessed salvation. And because we can trust God's eternal promises to us in our relationship with Him, we really will never have to experience those same fears that all the many unsaved souls will suffer. And what a blessing that is. Now, yes, there will be fears that will come to us. And God will bring some of those to us. Sometimes He will bring struggles to us in order to grow us in our sanctification. And in those moments, we might fear. But he's telling us here not to fear because it is him who is at work within us. The only other fears that we as his children will suffer in our relationship with him will be the fears that we'll experience when we stumble and we fall into some of those many sins that we encounter. It's then that God will be faithful as a father to discipline us, just as all loving fathers must do. And yes, that punishment from our Lord will sometimes be very painful. But that punishment, listen, that punishment that he'll bring to us will only be for a season. And during this lifetime, an intended only to restore us and to reclaim us back into fellowship with Him. But with all that being said, 
here in our scripture passage for today. The Lord Jesus wants each of us to know that there's still much to be known and to be understood about fear, both for those who have the salvation that we have, and especially, though, for those who are lost. Listen to these words that he gives us here in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 4. And I say to you, my friends, this is the Lord Jesus. He tells us, And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. These words were given by the Lord Jesus as he was continuing his journey on towards Jerusalem, where he would eventually then suffer and die on the cross. But until then, he was continuing to preach and to teach the people and especially to equip his disciples. Jesus knew well that his disciples would be the ones who would carry his truths on forward into this emerging church. And so, as he often did, he would take his disciples aside and he would teach them intimate truths such as these that they had need to know for themselves and also that they would need to teach others. And just before the Lord Jesus gave his disciples these stern words about who they should fear and knowing that they would be tempted in many ways in the same kinds of sin that the scribes and the Pharisees were practicing. As they would take leadership within the church, they had to be aware that they were going to be tempted in the same ways that the scribes and the Pharisees were tempted. And he gave his disciples strong warnings against some of those sins, and especially the sin of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy was rampant within the scribes and the Pharisees. That of saying one thing but doing another. Requiring righteousness of other people, but still practicing unrighteousness themselves. Being judgmental of others, but absolving themselves of any sin. And he warned them that sin can never really be hidden. Their sins could never really be hidden. No matter how they might try to hide them, their sins would eventually be made known, even shouted from the rooftops. And his words, those words a reminder to you and to me also. That's the reason that the Lord Jesus put these words here in this Bible, so that you and I could read them and that we could know that the same is true for our own selves and for our own behaviors, that there's nothing, nothing that takes place, not even one thing that can be hidden from God. For you and for me, we need always to know that it's just as those words in Hebrews 4 tell us, that everything that we think, everything that we say, and everything that we do is laid bare before God, the one to whom we must give an account. In Psalm 139, we're told clearly that God even knows our inmost and intimate thoughts. Think about that for a moment, folks. These words bless me so much because they tell me that God knows every word, every thought that I'm thinking, even when those thoughts are still hidden within the recesses of my mind. He already knows them completely. That's what Psalm 139 tells us. Before a word is on my tongue, he knows it completely. And that's a warning, and it should be a warning to us all. 
to guard our thoughts and to take our imaginations captive. Now here today as we follow along in this passage, we see that Jesus is continuing here to teach his disciples all those many things that they should know and that they would be carrying on forward into this ministry that he would assign to them. Here he was giving them warnings about all the many fears that that they were sure to experience as they stepped on forward into this battle with the world and the flesh and the devil. And it's a warning again. It's a warning to you and me also. Knowing that persecution would soon be coming to his disciples, Jesus warned them that there would come a time, perhaps many times, when they'd be threatened, when they'd be mistreated, Perhaps even some of them would be killed because of their faith. But he's telling them that they should not fear. They should not fear. They needed to remain faithful to understand that the years... And listen to this, folks. This is so important. He wanted them to know that the years that they would spend on this earth and the things that they would do are only a small part of an eternal plan that God has for his people. At another time, Jesus would teach these disciples that although they would someday actually die a physical death, that if they held fast to their faith, that they would not really die. That they would not really die. That their life was actually an uninterrupted eternal existence that simply passed from one form of life into another from living and breathing here on this earth on into an eternal existence in heaven with God. But Jesus knew that in the meantime, in the meantime, even the thought of physical suffering and death would bring fear to them. And in those days that lay ahead of them, that these disciples would surely face many, many occasions of fear. And Jesus also knew all the many ways that fear can affect a person's heart. He knew that fear very often is pervasive. It's so captivating that it can take control over a person's mind, cause them to think and to do things that they should not think or do. How often does it happen with you? It does with me, and it should not. And for his disciples to be able to endure all those many fears that would come to them, Jesus knew that they would need to be able to see on past their fears, on past those short, limited days that are lived here in these earthly bodies, on into the realms of eternal life. And so he gives them these words. He says, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who might kill your body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Now here in these words, Jesus is addressing all the many forms of fear that we can encounter. Some of the fears that we, that you and I experience when received and used in the right way, those fears can be helpful. God gave us the ability to fear as a, as a grace, a common grace of His. And He told us also, though, that there would be other fears that would come to them and to us that might even be coming from the evil one. And those fears would never come from God. But they had come from the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you and I would need to know the difference. 
And then note here also in this passage given in the book of Luke that this word fear that Jesus gives to them, they have two very distinctly different focal points of fear. Fear of those who are able to harm and to kill their bodies, but only their bodies. And then also fear of him who is able to kill the body and the soul in hell. Two very different forms of fear. Let me take a moment and say again that fear, while it's often intense and sometimes controlling, it can and does often have, at the same time, have a very good side to it. And that good side of fear will be at work in some of the fears that Jesus was warning about here. In its best application, fear is a form of common grace. A common grace that God has given to all men and women. It's an intense form of grace that will guide us to take steps to preserve and to protect ourselves in times of danger. In the most intensive moments, men often either will fight or they'll flee. And it's all brought on by fear. And within that context, fear can be a good and necessary common grace. That kind of common grace fear was probably the motivation that later on prompted the disciples to flee and to hide as Jesus suffered through his crucifixion. And while those disciples probably wish that they had reacted very differently during that time, their flight, listen, their fear and their flight and their hiding away was probably necessary for the preservation of the future of the church. And that common grace kind of fear was probably also at work as the impetus that would cause those Christians of that day and those disciples of that day to disperse throughout all those other countries around Israel, spreading the gospel all over the world. Thinking about that reminds me of Romans 8.28, that verse that we quote so often that tells us that All things, God will work all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. God has wisdom and power and he has the ability to take those difficult times and those fears and he can turn them into something good. And he did it with them in those days as they would carry the gospel out to all the other nations of the earth. Now look again with me at this passage and we'll see this clear distinction that Jesus is making between these kinds of fears and the effects of these fears. He tells us, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you shall fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Now here Jesus is telling us that while, yes, our immediate response to those people who pose a threat to our lives will be fear. But we must not let that fear overcome us. And especially, we must not allow that fear to overcome our faith. I've often thought, what's going to take place at the end of time? If we as believers have to go through some of the suffering that's talked about there in the book of Revelation. I do believe that we will be raptured out from this earth before the wrath of God becomes so painful to the people of the earth. 
But you and I may have to go through some forms of suffering. What will be our response to that? And that's what he's wanting us to know about here. That we must not let our fears, our panic, overcome us and turn us away from our faith. Even if our suffering and our death is filled with the worst kind of misery, that misery cannot compare to the other suffering and death that Jesus warns about here in these words. Folks, I'm convinced that no human mind can conceive the severity and the misery and the suffering that takes place within those who are condemned to an eternal death in hell. As I try to ponder those things, I wonder why God didn't make such things more clear to us. It seems that with more knowledge about the suffering that we would endure there in hell, that it might be the impetus to bring us to him. But he doesn't do that here. And he truly knows what's best for us. So he simply gives us these words and he leaves the response to us. But throughout these scriptures, God does give us some glimpses of hell and of the people who go there. He uses words, as I mentioned earlier, like Sheol and Hades to describe those mysterious places where the fires of torment are found. A place that is reserved for those who refuse to receive the Lord Jesus as their Savior. And God also speaks about the eternal fires of hell as being a place of not only fires, but of absolute darkness. We wonder how there can be absolute darkness and yet these burning fires of hell. But both are there. And it's a darkness that we cannot imagine, a spiritual darkness. And again, a place of burning fires, bringing continual sorrow and suffering and pain and gnashing of teeth. The book of Revelation gives not only one of the clearest descriptions of hell, it also tells us who will eventually go there. In the chapter 20 of Revelation, speaking there just after the time of the millennium, we're told that after that thousand years of peace that Satan is going to be released again for a short time. But then after that will come the final judgment where God will deal a final end to sin and all that participate in it. Let me read these words from Revelation chapter 20. There he tells us the devil who deceived them, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. And they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. And there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. This is one of the resurrections. And then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in those books. Folks, God writes in those books everything that takes place in our life every day. Verse 13, the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to their works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. That is the second death. And anyone, listen, 
Listen to these words. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's what Jesus was warning about in these words that he gave us in our passage for the day, where he said, my friends, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. I want to show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. In saying these words, Jesus was looking on ahead to those final days and to those eternal consequences that will face all men and women, every one of us, every one of us. And he was being faithful and calling out a warning to anyone who will listen that there absolutely will come a day of judgment when every man and every woman will stand before him and be judged for all that they've done on this earth. He tells us more in chapter 21 of Revelation. There he says, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But listen, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Folks, as we read these and other words of Scripture like them, we who have the Lord Jesus as our Savior know that we really must not fear. We must not give in to fear. Those of us who have Christ as our Savior can rest confidently in the knowledge that we ourselves will never lose our salvation and we'll never suffer the burning pits of hell that are warned about here. We truly are eternally saved. But listen, that's not so for everyone. That is not so for everyone. Some of the people that we love the most, that we hold the most dear, they do not have the Lord Jesus as their Savior, making these warnings that we read about here ever so serious and ever so solemn for them. It's too great a price to pay. The eternal burning sulfur fires of hell are too great of a penalty to pay for such a short time of sin here on this earth. Let me say it again. The eternal burning sulfur fires of hell are too great of a penalty to pay for such a short time of sin here on this earth. It's too great a price to pay just for the few sins that we seem to want to hang on to and enjoy here in this life. We're paying too much of a price there in hell and we must not do that. And for all of our loved ones who don't have Christ as their Savior, you and I must take this call to them, calling out to anyone and to everyone that we know to turn and to repent of their sins and to be saved. Listen to these words and we'll close. The Lord Jesus said, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I'll show you whom you shall fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. 
Yes, I say to you, fear him. Let's pray. Oh, dear Father, we do thank you that we who have Christ as our Savior do not have to fear. But we do pray for those dear ones, those loved ones, those ones who have not given their hearts to you. Oh, Holy Spirit, draw them, draw them to the Lord Jesus for salvation. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.